Welcome to Before You Cut Bangs. I'm Laura Quick. And I'm Claire Fearman. I'm Laura, and I am a professional storyteller. And I'm Claire, and I have been a therapist, a coach, a counselor, and all over the mental health world for many years. A quick disclaimer, this is not therapy, and this is not coaching. This is just a podcast. Totally. A really badass podcast. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about boundaries. And the reason we're talking about boundaries is because so many of you have said this is a hot topic. You are interested in it. It's personal boundaries. It's family boundaries. It's boundaries with your spouse, boundaries with a barista, as Claire likes to say. What are boundaries, Claire? Tell us what they are. Boundary in its simplest form, and I'm going to make it very simple because we'll make it complicated later. A boundary is a limit and a rule that you set in a relationship. However, if you're good at it, that means it makes the relationship more comfortable and intimate. And if you're bad at it, then people might think you're a jerk. I've done both. I've been good at it and I've been bad at it. I like to think I'm better at it nowadays because I have really good people around me that help teach me like you. I think that if you're good at it, the reason you're good at it is because you're a good communicator. I think the better communicator you are, the kinder communicator you are, the better it makes you at boundaries. Do you tend to agree with that or you think that's bullshit? I don't think it's bullshit. I mean, the big thing right now is clear is kind. Mm -hmm. However, what we don't really address is the discomfort in that. So I'm not a good boundary setter. If I'm comfortable with you and I know you won't hate me, I can say, no, I can't do that or whatever it is. If there is risk involved, I will fall on the sword and make myself miserable because I'd rather be uncomfortable than you being uncomfortable. You recently said... I said, how are you feeling about that thing that you had told me no about? Meaning, I'd really like you to reconsider it. And you said, I feel resolved. And I thought, oh, good, you're going to come. <laughs> give, give scenario. You can tattle on me. Should I? Please. Okay. So for my 40th birthday, my husband surprised me with a trip to Italy, not just for me and him, because we, we've done that before, and it's been so much fun, but he said, you can invite friends. And so I invited Claire and a lot of other people, but specifically Claire was a big one, because it's not, I say a lot of other people. There was a total of, including us, nine people on the trip, or there were supposed to be. And then Claire called me and said she didn't think she could. And I was like, over my fucking dead body, you will back out. I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. I tried. Did it was I understanding? I don't know. First, I will say, Laura's very kind. I was a little bit scared because I hate disappointing anyone that I love. So to really pump myself up to say, no, I'd not, I would not like to go to Italy right now, which if you're listening, you might think that's crazy, but I have my reasons, which we may or may not get into. <laughs> but I had to tell someone that I love that I was saying no to a crazy great opportunity. And these were my reasons. And I'm an over explainer. So when and if you set boundaries and you're nervous, you might be like me and overcompensate. So we really over deliver it and tell everyone why. But I'd prep myself. These are my reasons why. Laura was so good. This is a great response to a boundary. She said, I'm so thankful you trust me enough to tell me. Oh, like what a good friend. I love you. And then she said, and I'm really sad. And I expected that. So my other nervous people, when other people are sad, we 
hate it. And I didn't think she'd be like, cool, thanks. <laughs> I knew she was going to be sad. So I had to sit in the discomfort of my friend who I love dearly is going to be sad. And she said, but I'm in a meeting, so I have to call you later. And I was like, okay. I ripped that fucking Band-Aid off. <laughs> um, and then... And I actually wasn't going into a meeting. I went into plotting how will I change her mind? And plot she did. And I plotted. So Laura is a storyteller. So she sent a series of questions for me to answer <laughs> about why I was maybe feeling that way. And if I could do a little deeper digging around it, mm-hmm. which I did personally, I did not respond. And then she said, how are you feeling? And I said, resolved. Because this was on the, so I sent her these, what I thought that her, Claire is a thinker and she's I I consider you an educator. Like I don't think you're you're not you're not just anything. You're so many things. But Claire loves to be educated and she likes to educate. It's why I wanted to do a podcast with her. So I tried to like play on that. Wow, this makes me sound so manipulative. But I was like, wait, wait, can we imagine the other side where you do come and imagine all of the things that you gain by coming on this trip with me? And um, then she said she felt resolved, which I was like, cool, great. She's coming. And she's like, in Rome, bitch. (laughs) And she did it. And then she was like, no, no, resolve. Like, um, I'm not coming. And I was like, I'm sorry. Did you read the text? But you didn't give up there. That's and true. then I got a, a voice message that said, we've been planning, me and this other friend, mm-hmm. she's going to fly with you and make it all better. And I was like, thumbs up, still not happening. I know. There's a lot of interventions. There was another friend couple that reached out and they're like, we got you. We are going to do all the things. And I said strong. You did. I'm proud considering the full court press we did really like dive into. Um, yeah. I'm proud of you for practicing a Thank boundary. Thank you. Why is it easier to practice boundaries with people you know? Okay, because that has to do with attachment, which is a mega buzzword in therapy right now. Mm -hmm. So if you have a secure attachment with someone, meaning you feel completely safe with them, like your body feels safe with them, then you feel safer telling them high-risk things. Mm -hmm. If there's risk, the risk might be they won't like me, they will leave me, they will be mad at me, fill in the blank for whatever your personality type is, whatever your fear is. Mm -hmm. And my biggest risk in that was that you would feel sad and I love and care about you, but I also know that you go to therapy mm-hmm. and have the willingness to discuss hard and things. And I have a bounce back rate of like seven seconds, so you knew it was going to be okay. Like, I knew you were going to be fine. She doesn't even know how to stay sad longer than 10 seconds. Okay, well, that brings up an interesting point that I want to dive into because when we did the surveys and we asked people... If you could dig into boundaries, like not just generally what is a boundary and why do we practice them and why do we need them and why are they important, but who do you need to practice better boundaries with? I was kind of shocked to see that it it was family. And you're saying like, oh, well, if you have a secure attachment. And in my mind, when I think of healthy family dynamics, I want to imagine we have healthy attachment, but you're saying that it's actually when you have a healthy attachment, you you feel better practicing and making boundaries. But we see that the stats on this were alarmingly, I have a problem with my family of origin, not necessarily my friendships, not necessarily my partner or my spouse, but I have the most problems making, setting, and keeping boundaries with my family of origin. So that's mom, that's in-laws, that's dad, that's siblings. Why? 
Oh, Lord. Okay, so <laughs> that that's layered, so I hope I don't simplify this too much, but our attachment, so I'm going to give, like, the quickest synopsis I can. So how we experience attachment happens when we're children, okay? Do we feel securely attached to parents, or are they risky? Are they, you know, in and out of the home? Are they volatile if I ask for something? So that's where we get this bond, okay? Mm-hmm. So I have a very secure attachment to my family, so I think... I love them dearly, but if you hold a boundary to the people you love and they love you and they're really comfortable, they can be super shitty about it. And the first person in a family system to set a boundary is typically the one that's going to be like the black sheep. And you get told like, why did you change? Why aren't you the way you used to be? Is, is often what happens within the family system because they're used to compliance, right? Mm-hmm. So you go along in your family role. You say, hey, that's not cool anymore. And they're like, but that's how we've always done it. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to be like, well, shit, that is how we've always done it. But it's just not working for me anymore. My husband brings us up, and uh, which I find really interesting because – he was talking about like when he and his ex-wife had their child, their first child, that he set a boundary of like, hey, you can't just like pop by my house because she could be breastfeeding and like this is our first baby or the baby could be sleeping and we're trying to figure that out. And then his family was like, that's our grandchild. We'll come by whenever the hell we want to come by. He was like, well, this is my house. So over my dead body kind of thing. Yeah, so there's this idea of like we have rights because that's how it's always been. Also, when we're within our family system, if you've ever gone home for the holidays and you're like, why am I being passive aggressive and shitty? Or why am I being more quiet or whatever it is? We typically revert to a part like to a time in our childhood where we felt small or bad. That happens every holiday season to most people. Mm -hmm. It's like why holidays are so stressful. We have to have this like Let's do a quick Christmas special. It's like we have this idea of what holidays should be and will be, and we set these we're standards. We're baking, and we're decorating, and we're laughing. It's going to be great. That's right. And let's say you have a newborn, and you're like, hey, that's not going to work for us anymore. And, you know, some boomer mom is like, well, when you were a baby, what we did, you know, you didn't mind a bit when we put you in the bassinet in the living room, you know, <laughs> but you're like on a strict sleep training schedule with this baby in 2023. And that's tough. So you get made out to be the bad guy which then brings up a lot of anxiety because most of us I think it's pretty human to be like well I want to be liked I don't want anybody to be upset with me I don't know anyone that enjoys that feeling I know people that can tolerate it that's the thing about boundaries too I do think that they're they're uncomfortable when you're setting them but they really feel super weird when you're receiving them even if you're healthy and you're balanced let's say you're in therapy and like whatever when claire said that boundary with me and she's like i'm not coming to italy of course i the flags go up and i'm like i want to be supportive i understood i knew why you were saying what you were saying i still hated it right i was like bitch we gonna get matching tattoos in italy you're not gonna be there I didn't even know that was going to happen. Who knew I was going to drink enough at lunch to be like, let's get matching tattoos. But you missed it. and I wanted you there. I know. And you weren't there. I'm still a little butthurt over it right now. But just here kidding. we are. But here we are. So it's the tolerance. Okay, so this is really important. And we're going to go back to the definition because 
I think it's really helpful to have a visual. So how I imagine boundaries is everyone has a hula hoop, just a regular old hula hoop around them, okay? So in my hula hoop, Claire's hula hoop, I have two responsibilities. The first one, and this is, I know I keep saying like buzzy pop psychology. There's so many words, so I just want to be careful how I use them. But my first responsibility is to know my truth. Here it is. Everyone's talking about truth and authenticity. What I mean by truth is what I think, what I believe, my feelings, my morals, my values. When I ask people, okay, so tell me what's your truth in your hula hoop? They give me really passionate responses Mm -hmm. about like spiritual, political, or relational pieces of themselves. But also my truth might be like, I don't like mushrooms on pizza. I do. But just for example, or I'm a vegetarian. Again, not, but that's a truth. So truths can be really benign, okay? Mm -hmm. So my truth for this episode, we're gonna say I'm a vegetarian and that's really important to me. So, but Laura also has a hula hoop and my responsibility to Laura's hula hoop is to share my truth when it's safe and to understand and respect hers. So this is our biggest snafu and boundaries. People think you have to agree. You wanted me in Italy. I did not want to go to Italy. Okay. You did want to go to Italy. That is beside the fucking point. Okay. <laughs> we'll just do a whole segment on why I didn't go. But regardless, I, want, I had some conflict. Okay. My truth in that moment is I can't. How about that? I can't. Okay. I feel like I can't go to Italy. I tell Laura, we didn't agree. She wanted me there. I was not going. But we respected each other. So that's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. So when parents call me, let's say clinically, they call me therapeutically. My son is smoking marijuana and I've told him 77 reasons why pot is bad for you. And he gave me 89 reasons why it's helpful. And I tell them, then validate that. They think I'm nuts. But imagine this. Like, I know y'all did naughty things when you were in high school. Imagine you got caught and you're like telling your mom all the reasons why. And she was like, that's really interesting you're grounded that's Mm -hmm. my you're grounded and i hear where you're coming from what a relief so my hula hoop is i know my truth i share it with you Mm -hmm. and you share mine and all i have to do is understand try to understand that's it this feels like a right time to say that i'm a newer christian and um i don't follow any of the rules of christianity and i started reading my Bible like as a 30-something-year-old. And I, when I got to this part in the Bible and realized that Jesus literally gave us permission to tell people no, I started a Bible study study called Bitch, Get Your Own Oil based on Matthew 25. And people did not know what to do with that Bible study. But specifically, even biblically speaking, literally that parable that Jesus talked about was about 10 virgins, five of them who were responsible and five of them who were irresponsible with their oil. And I kind of break it down like five of them went to the club, got crunk, poured out their oil, and five of them you know, stayed home and they were waiting for the bridegroom. Bridegroom started showing up and the girls who went out and got crunk were like, hi, can we borrow some oil? And they were like, nah, bitch, you got to get your own oil. That's the way I explain boundaries. (laughs) But truly, I think as women, for me for a long time, struggled to say the word no. I had a hard time, not necessarily in relationship. I have a really easy time saying no to my family because of how dysfunctional they are. They're like walking red flags. It's just like, no, you just, I can't be around you at all. 
And then when I hear someone like Claire who has great parents, and I know that when Steph comes and visits Claire, she's going to reorganize every room in your house, and she's going to go to Lowe's and buy 18 hundred different Tupperware things and make it organized and you're telling me this and you're like "Ah, she's all over I'm like oh my god that's so nice Mm -hmm. I wish can send stuff over to my house and let her reorganize and so there's this difference between your baseline for normal will kind of dictate how you see things right for sure so what Laura's talking about is my mom's a doer she listens to the podcast she learned how to do that so and that's fine she listened to the first episode which was emotionally difficult for me to yeah, accept but she did she, she's also commented on some things on Instagram which I love that we're so proud of you <laughs> So I call, here's a great, this is so great family systems boundary. So I call my mom. She knows we're doing the podcast and my parents are like mega supportive people. And I said, mom, you're going to want to listen. I'm going to ask you to start with episode two. Part of episode one would just not be what a mother would want to hear about her daughter. Totally. I hear you. You got it. And then I get a call. Well, I listened to episode one. You were right. You were right. Daddy's not going to. She still says daddy. That's such a Southern thing, by the way. Mother and daddy. mm -hmm. Daddy is not going to listen to it, which I would die if my dad heard episode one. And if you don't know I'm talking about, just listen to the end of episode (laughs) one. And you wouldn't want your mom, mother or daddy to listen to that. Daddy does not need to hear it. He doesn't. So she broke that one. And then she said something so cool. She said, when I was a young mom your age, I wish people had talked about this stuff. And so, like, I pushed through my embarrassment, and, like, it was great. I wasn't upset. I wasn't angry. I was mildly embarrassed, and that's what it was. So, but what Laura's talking about with the 18 Tupperwares is I went through, here's a surprise. It was post the engagement and breakup, and my mom came in town. I was really distraught, and she said, what can I do? And I'm like, I'm going to be honest. It's more of what you can't do. We don't need to organize closets. We don't need decorations for any holiday. We nothing done. And she was like, you got it. Okay, so we had a great first night. I'm sure we knitted, watched Great British Baking Show, something like that. The fact that y'all even just knit together is just like, that's so cute. Yeah, four generations. (laughs) Oh, no. So I wake up the next morning. I got to sleep in because my mom's there taking care of the kids. And I wake up. She'd been to Lowe's. That's like on the blacklist. Like, you don't go to Target. You don't go to Lowe's. Mm -hmm. I don't want more shit in my house. Right. And she says, she's, I have a van. Remember, we got the minivan, Marge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's like, just don't look. Okay. She said, I went. And it's not even 8 a.m. She had to have been one of the first customers at Lowe's. Okay. And she's like, don't look. And then she goes, and it's going to get worse before it gets better. I'm like, if that's not a goddamn metaphor for what's happening in my life. <laughs> and we had five new Christmas blowups for my yard. Okay, which I didn't want, and I'm anti-inflatables, okay? (laughs) Kids love them. Um, And so that boundary was crossed. But again, like, that's how she expresses herself. We didn't get into a big thing. It was fine. Here's the story time. I finally got brave enough to host Thanksgiving last year. And I was like, it's going to be fine. I call my sister. I'm like, it's going to be fine, right? And she's like, it's going to be fine. Like, we'll be there together. Who was coming to the Thanksgiving? Is this your family members you hadn't seen in a long time? It's just, I've not done family Thanksgiving with my immediate family. So this is like dad, stepmom. I have three gay brothers. This is also probably its own episode at some point. I have three gay brothers. They're like... They are 
a lot in the best way. Um, but, but primarily there's just some anxiety around, like I had not had my dad and my stepmother in my home for a meal staying the night ever, ever. Well, like staying the night. Yeah, that's a yikes. Whole. Well, they live in Savannah and I live in Alabama. Okay. That's when we use the Marriott points. I know. They come and my stepmother brings, I don't even know how to explain this, the largest Tupperware you can imagine. Okay. And it's filled with things. I don't know what these things are yet, but don't worry. She did a big reveal. <laughs> and so we, uh, made our way through dinner and it was going so well. I was like, this is awesome. We have evolved so much. I can do hard things. We bought a house on the lake, so there's plenty of space. Like everybody's got their own spot, whatever. And then after dinner, Shane, my husband also has a kind of, he's like a pump. He turns into a pumpkin after 8 p.m. I think we talked about that also on episode one. And so he is thankfully has turned into that pumpkin and he's not present for this because of how bad it's about to get. So she asked everyone to come into the living room and she says, everybody come sit down. I've just brought some things and, you know, I just don't think that it's my place to throw these things away. And um, I just wanted to go through them and and see what y'all want. So it's, I'm sitting on a sofa, my little brother, like one of my little brothers, one of my little brothers couldn't make it because he had to work. And then my sister and her husband is sitting there and we're all just sitting around, and I have so much anxiety about what's about to happen when she opens this damn Tupperware. And there are a couple benign things. Clay's in the room as well, my son. So she opens the Tupperware, and the first thing she pulls out, and I am not shitting you. She says, now, Dee, I brought this. It is a photo album of you and your first husband's marriage. I just <laughs> didn't know if y'all, if you wanted this. She hands it to her. And I'm like, What? I don't know what's about to happen. I'm so nervous about what's going to come out that's mine. And alas, as you might imagine, it's worse because why wouldn't it be worse? She pulls out the shittiest bridal bouquet. No. From my first marriage. No. Y'all, I cannot make this up. And she was like. It's incredible. It's incredible. She's like, I just didn't know if you want to keep this. And I was like. No, I've been good. Now, time out. Had my husband been upstairs, he may have asked him to leave our house and never come back again. Mm. Out of protection for you. because Totally. Yeah, because I mean... That's so weird, right? It's, oh, it's incredibly weird. It, I still haven't even picked up my second wedding dress that I got made. It, it is beautiful. It is. We should have a party where we wear them. Remember when we found out your first wedding and... My last wedding, we had the same dress. That's so exciting. So was your sister's new husband there witnessing Oh, he witnessing was beside her. He was oh, holding her. God. like the, He had his hand around her. It just kept going. Please don't I, stop. Yeah. The registry book. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was... I'm going to be honest. That bouquet was bad from for, the beginning. Sure. It, it has not aged well for 20 years. <laughs> I thought to myself, bitch, what did you think? That where... I don't understand. It's like the Seinfeld, like the airing of the grievances, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Just like happy holidays. Yeah. Let's get it out there. I really kind of blacked out. You know when you go into like such emotional overload that yes. you can't even process? Yes. Like you, everything starts moving in slow motion. I was sweating. She did bring like some very weird 
blankets and stuff from my grandma's house and like a jewelry box and stuff that were helpful. I was like, oh, that's kind of sweet and whatever. But like mostly it was shameful, embarrassing things from my past that I was like, is this a flex? And I was telling Shane about it later. And he's like, that was totally her attempt to take this like beautiful life that we've tried to create and make sure that you remember how small you are. Oof. That is how it felt. Now, I don't know if that's really what it was, but it was gross. I'm still grossed out. She asked recently, she's like, oh, now we're going to do Thanksgiving again at your house. I said, I think we're going to New York this year. You know, we're, we're unavailable. I don't think you should feel pressure to do that again. You have every reason in the world to be like, ah. I think I'm out. I think, I think that was the beginning and it, the end. And it doesn't mean like at some point, whatever, I don't want to go all clear on you. It doesn't mean like at some point... <laughs> It Do can't it, be repaired please. or whatever, but definitely you have every right at this point to be like, no, we're good. But it really, it seems less like Festivus and more <laughs> like, is right. and more like, that's just a person who likes drama and to not be very nice sometimes and to stir the pot. It was kind of, for me, it was also just the presentation of it all. Like she drug this giant Tupperware thing from six hours away. I mean, I genuinely, I can't even recall because there were just, those things were so horrible. Because she was like, I've also got your dress if you want that. And I was like, no, thank you. I would like for you to burn everything you have. If there is maybe an appropriate way to do what she did, it would be to contact you separately. Like, hey, there are these things. Do you want me to toss those? Or did you want them kept for some reason? The fact that she brought them and unveiled them in front of a group. Oh, it was a fully, like, everyone gather around. For a debutante ball. For the debutante ball of Laura's shameful past. Mm -hmm. Even my sister, I felt so... My sister, who is the greatest human of all time, like a Disney character level human. Also a runner. Also a... I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. not just a runner. I found out Will's a Um, runner, so... Oh, Will, don't Uh, be. Reformed. The reformed runner. This my sister's the type of person that I'll be like, "Hey, what'd you do this weekend?" Thinking like, "I'm ran. like, I drank." No, I biked 150 miles. I ran 40k. Like, what? Yeah, this Don't is not. Don't call a, me with that. Mm-hmm. I not about me, Claire. It's uh, <laughs> well, leave me out of this. Some questions for you coming up. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll tackle that. Actually, later. I do want to hear what from a boundary perspective because I noticed that you did not participate in the poll that we did online. Which I didn't think it was allowed of... to. It's like winning tickets if you work at a radio station. You can't do it. Yeah. Guess who's going to Brandy Carlisle? <laughs> All right. <laughs> so when you think of boundaries, are they comfortable? Are they uncomfortable? Do you feel like you practice them well? What's the what's Do you know the what they are? You... Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, I think I practice them very well. Okay, so going back to some political stuff that happened you know, eight uh, years ago, seven years ago, whenever it was, Facebook, you know, like that's when it became like, wait, what is happening on Facebook? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what's going on with these family members? And ah, mm-hmm. it was oh, yeah. pretty devastating. And so at first it was kind of like this, hey, why would you say that? And what's right. going on? And then it kind of quickly became like, oh, okay, so we're not going to do these uh, get-togethers any longer. And I, I just didn't. And some people weren't happy about it, but I was like, no, no, no. I was like, I'm serious about it. Like, we're, we're not doing this. And boy, it wasn't anything like what you went through. But isn't that painful sometimes to have to disconnect from people that you were raised with because of this thing that kind of can seem arbitrary, but it is 
awful polit I'm only speaking politically. Mm -hmm. Like was there pain involved with that? Um mm. or was it like healthy editing? <laughs> For me it was it seemed healthy and felt great. Uh <laughs> definitely like for my mom it was painful. Okay. Now, my mom is not one of these people. My I was like, I now very, that you've not talked to your mom in eight years. No, no, we're very gone? close. We've like, talked to my mom three times today already. Like, we're, and my dad, like, we're, we're so all, you don't have healthy boundaries with your mom? Okay, got it. No, no actually, I probably do as well. But no, like, we just have a great relationship. I love that. Yeah. We, we knew just, it. We knew uh, it. I, well, I love that because I want Clay to, because Shane's always like, wow, is that Clay calling again? I'm like, first of all. Clay and I love each other. So we do the thing like uh, we get together once a week for dinner and we try Aww, to make it. That's awesome. Yeah, but I get from a lot of people like, okay, weirdo. No, yeah. it's so no. precious. Listen. We also live like just two miles from each other. So but it's easy, still, like, family dinners are epic. Like I for love that. a potluck and like a Sunday dinner and a whatever. That's amazing. I think that's healthy. Okay, so what's the, if you had to say you struggle in a boundary arena, would it be would it be with friends or like we said baristas at like coffee shops? Would it be with family, which you already said you don't feel like I, you have a struggle with that? Okay, or, so or I, spouse. Mm, mm, no, so I think it's probably with not being able to say no to people. Yes, and that's not a family. Well, if you read family. Matthew twenty-five, Jesus, <laughs> I might He'll not get right on it. I might not, but whatever. We can do, uh, yeah, definitely not with family though. I don't have any problem saying like, no, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't. Right. Do that. But with people here in town and work stuff and whatever, I have a major issue with saying no, and I get myself wrapped into way mm. too much. A lot of trivia nights. Got a lot better. of trivia. I've gotten better about it recently because I just actually can't do it all. I but holy moly, I've said yes to way too many things. I will tell you. So when I started hanging out with Shane, and as we got more serious, one of the greatest gifts he ever gave me was he said this to me, and it gave me so much freedom. He was like, hey, when you are everywhere, your value is down. Mm. He was like, if you can practice no, because obviously in the media business, um, you know this, I thought I had to be at every event. I was like, I've got to be everywhere. I've got to do everything. If someone asks me to come, I've got to say yes. I've got to do be on that panel and this thing and go to that conference and whatever. And then all of a sudden he was like, and when you're everywhere, they'll just expect you there. But if you will practice no and say no to some things that are not as important and show up to the things that really, really matter to you, all of a sudden your value will go through the roof. It changed my life to have that filter that I was like, huh. And what's crazy is that's what happened. Yeah, because you have to be able to tolerate somebody else's discomfort, which is like the golden ticket in this. Can I tolerate someone else's discomfort if I say no and disappoint them? Mm -hmm. So like the two tickets here are, do I know myself enough, what mm -hmm. I want and what I need? And can I tolerate the discomfort? Now, other people, so my, my best buddy sent me the funniest voice text, and it was so polar opposite of who I am. She said, I don't have any problem setting boundaries because one of us is going to be uncomfortable and it's sure as fuck not going to be me. And that's because she honors her space. She's mm -hmm. like, I know what I want. I know what I need. And if you're bummed about it, sorry, pal. 
I probably feel like I, I get, I'm more in her camp now than I've yes. ever been. Way more. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't really have a problem disappointing people, especially if, because this is what I've realized. The older I get, the more I realize there are really like five people that matter. And if those five people are okay, like if my husband and my children are safe and my two like best friends, if they're okay with me, I'm okay. So I tell people to make like a one inch by one inch square and only you can only use that teeny tiny space to write down the people that matter, like their opinions matter. Mm -hmm. That's who's important in the boundary. Is this going to impact them? Is this going to harm them? Do you mind their opinions? Like that's your core. I think we're so socialized and everything's so public that really, like, you get to come back to that center of, like, are they okay? Am I okay? Mm -hmm. I mean, at some point, if everybody matters, you don't matter. What are the things that we want to give people permission slip to practice boundaries in what ways? Maybe three or four. I'm going to start with the easy one, which are the already boundary setters. If you're already doing it, Laura said in the beginning, communication is key. So if you're like, no's a one word sentence, I don't love that. Say no. And here's why. Mm -hmm. That's really direct. And it's really kind. kind. Yeah. If you're in my camp, the over explainers, over apologizers, (laughs) as we know, saying sorry all the time. What I like to say, I start off by saying, I'm really nervous about this right now. I'm scared I'm going to disappoint you. And so I just own it. Like I own my thing. I don't expect them to take care of me, but I just want to put it out there. And again, I'm not ordering a pumpkin spice latte. Those are the people that I'm just in close communication with and I really trust. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then for our more like benign pieces, if you get a steak and you ordered it medium rare, and that is well done. Don't eat it. It wasn't the waiter's fault. It was just a mistake. Yeah. And so you get to say something like, hey, I know this is so not on you. This is not what I ordered. I'm so embarrassed to even ask, but I asked for a medium rare steak. And that I, that sounds so contrite and silly, but I will never forget in my first marriage, we got a toaster for our wedding and it didn't work. Like that was that. It didn't work. And my ex-husband, we have a great relationship. He, I was definitely the more like forward one. We had to go to Williams-Sonoma and return it. And he's like, well, what would we say to them? And I'm like, that it doesn't fucking work, man. Like, <laughs> that's that. And so, but it's really uncomfortable if you think you're going to harm people. Mm-hmm. And that's not a weakness. I want to be really clear. That's a really compassionate heart. If you think you're going to harm someone, your compassion ends up overriding your boundary. Mm-hmm. And so you get to be just as compassionate and say, hey, William Sonoma, this toaster is defective, and I'd like a new one. You didn't manufacture it, not on you, but I would like a new oven. And guess what? They give it to you, and then they say they're sorry. When you're clear, direct, and kind, while it might make someone uncomfortable, it's not directly harming them, and that's what you have to remember. You're not harming another person, Mm -hmm. but asking for what you need. And if you feel like you owe them them an apology for any accountability, you can totally do that. But asking to get your needs met is totally okay. And that comes back to the hula hoop. So if you want to have a little homework assignment with us, I would draw a circle on a piece of paper and write down your truths. Do you like mushrooms on pizza? What are your political beliefs? What are your spiritual beliefs? What kind of car do you want to drive? Like you get to have that and that is yours. And that's how we stay within our hula hoop. All right. So two things. One... 
I learned a lot from this. There's stuff I'm going to actually like take and utilize, especially like the returning uh, something that is, you know, not working. Mm-hmm. I'm terrified to do that. Aww. So that's going to that's gonna help a ton. Also, the hula hoop thing, I, I'm going to use that. Two, I can't wait to hear your mom's review of episode four. <laughs> I think she's going to be very proud. Very uh. proud. Okay, so I've just had this little light bulb. So if you teach your spouse this language, you it's so cool to be like, Hey, man, you're kind of in my hula hoop. So what happens is if I'm uncomfortable, let's go back to Italy, shall we? So if I was so uncomfortable, I would have taken my little lawn chair and put it in Laura's hula hoop and said, you're right, I'll go to Italy. But if you think of the diameter of a hula hoop, it fits one lawn chair. That is it. Okay, and that's what we do. We pull someone into ours, make me more comfortable, or I'll come park it in yours to make you more comfortable. One person fits in the hula hoop. That's it. Just you. I love it. All right, thanks for listening to Before You Cut Bangs, and we'll see you next time. Before You Cut Bangs is hosted by Laura Quick and Claire Fearman and produced by Will Lockamy. Follow along with us everywhere. Please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Find us on Instagram. We're constantly doing polls. We want to know what you think. And I know that you probably know this, but reviewing us and giving us five stars matters more than anything. And we are so grateful to have you here. Bye.